The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of the bar in the holy place. Right on. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and our guest Charlie Clawson this week. First time guest Charlie Clawson, Jason John Whitehead. Welcome. Hello. I was just explaining to you what that meant because it does confuse <laughs> yeah. people if you have no but idea. I'm, but, qu- I'm quantum leaping. Yeah, that's right. Basically, you are. Yeah, have, that's exactly what I've you're doing. It, uh, well, not me. I'm not. Charlie has. Charlie has quantum leaped right into, into you. Me. I, I get it. We're, I'm straight forward now. Now, let's start with that then. If uh, it was an episode of Quantum Leap, and I assume that people remember Quantum Leap, maybe we're getting too old now that the younger generation doesn't, yeah, let's doesn't know out. what uh, Quantum Leap was. Was it uh, Scott Bakula? Is that yeah, his name? Scott Bakula. Bakula, yeah, Scott yeah. right? Bakula. Bakula? Bakula? Yeah. I don't know. That might be one that of those. That would be his criminal mastermind name. Oh, it's the Bakula. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that Bakula sounds a bit too much like Dracula, and he would have got teased yeah. at school, you know, so maybe. Maybe he pronounced it a different way, but I don't know. You never know. You go through different phases in your life, don't right. you? You always need to reinvent. Right. <laughs> says JJ, Jason John, <laughs> Whitehead. You have done a lot of P. Diddy style name-changing yeah, work. You know what? I'd like to claim that I don't choose it, but right. uh, but recently I have chosen, chose, chosen? I have chosen the JJ, just to simplify things. So look, we'll, we'll get back to Quantum Leap in a minute, but what is, so t- run me through the, the Jason John, run, run me through the JJ, like is that your, like, is that your name? Is that, yeah, why, yeah, why was it Jason I John not, in the first you place? You know what, I regret not having a stage name actually. Right. I have found that, and you're Will Anderson, right? You're yeah, not stage that's my name. name. Don't you regret that? In a, in a way, I just see people at Passport Control sometimes, and I just wish I had a name that was different on my Passport. You know, like I watch other comedians just swan through, and they don't have any idea what they've been up to. But uh, so without a stage name, we're everything's right there, isn't it? Like oh, see, I would have thought it was the opposite because if I'm going through uh, customs with like a passport that doesn't have my name on it. I'm suddenly feeling like I'm Jason Bourne. Like I suddenly feel I'd be sweating, like shit was going down. Like they'd be asking me a question. There, are you Will Anderson? Well, ah, I'm jigs up. I've got heroin on my ass. Well, that, well, that is not Jason Bourne then. No, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is definitely no. World's worst Jason Bourne. Yeah, yeah. It's not really me. I, I'm an entertainer. And I'm... Well, wasn't it? That, that was the conceit of the you know the 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 reboot, wasn't it? That there was never only sort of one Jason Bourne. Oh, yeah, there was there's like a, there's a whole team now right. and so everywhere. so. I, if there's a whole team of them, then yeah. one can be cool like Jeremy Renner, yeah. and yeah. one can be just shit ass like me. It's, yeah, it's, I can be the dumb and dumber Jason Bourne. I'm gonna link it to another movie now. It's like twins now. So <laughs> Jason Bourne's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you're gonna be like a Danny DeVito. Like we're from the same egg, but uh, right. But 
<laughs> you can pitch that in Hollywood. Like we're rebooting. The, we're yeah. rebooting the Jason Bourne franchise with Jack Black. Jack yeah. Black's gonna be yeah, Jason Bourne. The worst spy ever. They're right. trying to knock him off as well, and everything yeah. gets foiled all right. the time somehow. Yeah. Surviving. Yeah. It's a kind of a Bourne movie meets Mr. Bean. Mr. Bourne. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. There you go. <laughs> So, um, uh, so Bacula. I, no, I'm not even Bacula. We'll get Bacula in a minute. Bacula to the future. But I, I want to know about the the name. So, were you always a Jason John at school? Yeah, like, I was always. Yeah, my full name is Jason John Ashley Whitehead. Right. So, Jason John is what a double-barreled first name, or yeah. it's the first and yeah, second like, name? It or? was like a double-barreled first name. Right. And and then it was. And I always, you know, what the comedy industry is pretty competitive over here in in Britain, where yep. I started. To be honest, it was kind of greedy at first too. I liked having Jason John Whitehead because it took up more space on the poster. It, yeah, on on uh, yeah, or in magazines and stuff right. like that, so everybody could spot where Jason John Whitehead was. Right. In. So it was it was a weird strategy. Like Don't want one of those short names like Jimmy Carr. Yeah, yeah, it just <laughs> slips by. Like Stuart no, Lee. No, nobody nobody <laughs> notices those. So um, and I just wanted to and and you know and, and it was when you're picking that stage name, mm. I just thought Jason John Whitehead just sounded better. So that's what I went with back in the day. Right. And then eventually industry people started calling me J.J. Whitehead. Because right. I, <laughs> I just did not give a fuck <laughs> yeah. about you wanting your name big on a poster. Yeah. They were just like, come on, J.J. Yeah, and that fight obviously went back and forth for about five or six years. <laughs> going, no, I want to be Jason John Whitehead. <laughs> and now I've realized, now that I'm working in different markets too, like I was just working in America for a bit. Yeah. And they don't know who I am at all. So you get somebody just going, it's James Jonathan, James John. And right. I, so that's when I've gone, all right. You're giving them, it's, a, with it's your double-barreled first name, you are giving them two chances to fuck it up. Yeah, exactly. Even and if I, they get half of it right, they can still fuck up and, the second half. And I've noticed it's been happening. So, uh, <laughs> so we're going to simplify it all. I'm doing my, my first American album, and it's going to be J.J. Whitehead for all the right, first cool. time. And I'm sticking with it. And uh, I promise I won't switch back. <laughs> I feel like J.J. Whitehead sounds a bit more rock and roll. Like, I feel like J.J. Whitehead might have been someone who hung out with Motley Crue back on the days of the strip, you I'm, know what I mean? I'm getting there too. Like, if somebody was a bit like, you know who used to do heaps of heroin out of, like, hookers' asses? J.J. Whitehead. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, the, uh, yeah, I'm getting there too. You know what? It freaked me out at first because I only liked, when I was in school, mm-hmm. I only liked my friends calling me J.J. And I guess that's right. what weirded me out. So it's like people, when people don't know you. Uh-huh. So when industry people and stuff, all of a sudden, you know, uh, I'm used to, I'm getting used to it now. Right. But let's say about five but or six years ago. But it feels overly familiar. It, yeah, it, that always used to weird me out. So that's kind of, that's why, it only takes me five years to get around to these things. Right. But that's what rubbed me the wrong way at first, is people who don't, didn't know me, call me JJ. And uh, I would like to announce I'm there now. I right. Can, I, I'm, I'm willing to accept it. All these did, strangers did, call me JJ. I'm like, I don't. Who, who, who are you? Why now, are you? is there any chance that this, you know, you will have a sort of a JJ, uh, you know, club? I mean, because I, I obviously think immediately of JJ Abrams, a very famous yeah. JJ. Yeah. I mean, at least you guys have something in common. Is he, do you know what, what JJ is? is he well, the only thing Joel? we have in common is that I've seen his movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. I, I don't know if we... Uh... Send him an email when your album yeah. comes out. Yeah. Look, we're both called JJ. Yeah. We both had the same struggles. What do you say? I feel like... Oh, yeah. Do you want to make this album into a movie? <laughs> That's, yeah, you, you want an ambitious project? Make my comedy album into your next feature-length film. Well, I mean, there is a chance. Okay. I mean, that's a bit ridiculous, I get. 
right? But there is a chance that if you're like, because there can't be that many famous JJs in the world, right? No. So, there used to be that guy. What's up? Uh, that uh, what was the name of that? Was it? It wasn't Family Matters. That was Urkel. Right. But there was another comedian who was. Uh, oh, and he had a big, a famous catchphrase. Yeah. Right. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I can't even think of it. right Facts now. Facts of life was a facts of life. JJ from. Oh, he was JJ though, wasn't he? I don't know. See, I've blocked it out. Now that I'm accepting JJ, I've cut them all out. Hey, in fact, here's what I'm going to do right now, because this is my plan. It's like, because here's the thing with JJ Abrams. I'm assuming if I type JJ into Google, the predictive like search will bring up JJ Abrams first, right? I That's what I'm right. going to say, yeah, right? Yeah. But chances are, if you could knock yourself in front of whoever the next most famous JJ is, one day yeah. when JJ Abrams is at home and he's like, Hey, I just might see what the internet think of my latest Star Trek film. And he goes to Google his own name. He spots just underneath your name yeah, as an intrigued, you know. I think you could be onto something. Yeah, we, I well, should hash is, a plan. Right. All right. So I'm going to see who you have to get in front of if I, <laughs> if I type it in. So just JJ. I'll just put JJ in at this stage. There's probably a clothing label. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. And, so and a, and a pub. You will have to get in front of JJ Food Service. <laughs> JJ who? JJ Food Service. They're, a, oh, right. they're some sort of food. Oh, they're the UK's leading food delivery service. Jeez, they're ahead of me? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a band called JJ. I think I've seen them. Okay, so, um, all right. Well, that's not helping. Okay, let's <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, So JJ Abrams is your first person on the list. Right. Um, so, so that's you know you could yeah okay so there's no no more people under JJ Abrams. That was literally he was the, so only, the only person, person on that list. Because there used to be a baseball player, I believe, who was JJ something, but uh, but that's it. Well, that that puts my mind at ease then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think this is a great career move so, for you. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Anyway, Scott uh, Bakula or Scott Bakula. <laughs> I'm not sure. The Bakula. But uh, but he was in this show called Quantum Leap. And yeah. the idea was that he was a um, uh, he was like a scientist of sorts, right? Yeah, and something went wrong with the machine, didn't it? And so he jumped from body to body and timeline to timeline while Ziggy tried to get him out. Right, that's exactly it. Ziggy standing with his little, little machine. Yeah, he essentially had a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a time, yeah, he had a time-traveling yeah, smartphone. Yeah, smartphone, man. It's, I don't think it dated that well. <laughs> but uh, right. I, I mean, I haven't seen it lately, but Ziggy's smartphone was probably the size of a laptop computer, wasn't it? Right, so the idea was that he would leap into... Whatever had gone wrong with the machine was, he would leap into people's bodies yeah. and he would then fix some sort of yeah. dilemma that was going on. And the best part was the beginning when he arrived in the body and didn't know what it was, didn't know the context or anything until he looked in the mirror. Oh, that's right. So that's just that, that sweet spot where he's just... You know, hanging out with a whatever black family or whatever, right. and doesn't realize. Yeah. It. Looks in the mirror. Oh my god! I'm a black man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, uh, if he was a really hot woman, there'd be that extra scene where he'd just uh, take a couple of moments to masturbate. Uh, uh, they were my favourite episodes <laughs> where he just. The director. Like, oh my god! Show. I'm such a hot chick. Yeah. Just, just give us a second. Ziggy, get lost, man. Ziggy, just... Don't bug me, Ziggy. <laughs> Typically, we get about a week in these bodies, right. so just leave me alone for five days, Ziggy. I'll I'm solve not... the issues tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Right now, I'm having some alone time. <laughs> I always want to learn how to get one of these bras off. <laughs> Thank God I can practice now, man. <laughs> so 
So he would leap into their bodies and solve their problems. It was kind of like an early, um, oh, it was a, a version of like Highway to Heaven or Littlest Hobo. It was one of those things yeah, yeah. where people go around and, you know, solve a problem and move on. Yeah. And he wouldn't be able to move on out of their body in, until their in, problem had been in, solved, in right? In fact, you say that now and then, because uh, that's a much better concept because there's one now, my parents love it, where they have a person of interest. Oh, yeah. It's called, have you seen that? I that's have seen thing. that. And he's invented a supercomputer that yeah. can predict people. There you go. That's, now that you mention it, that's a crap quantum leap. Right. <laughs> they haven't even worked in like the sci-fi and the oh the all that stuff. They're just going. Something's gonna happen with this dude. Let's fix it. Yeah. Oh, that's not as good at all. I watch that show. I quite enjoy that show. It's kind oh, of dear, much, oh dear. No, no, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no. This is not. This is not. I, I haven't had an opportunity to speak about it on the podcast before, but oh, yeah. um, I like it. Uh, it has uh, one of my favourite actors in it. Um, Jim Caviezel. Uh, no, although he's, he's the guy. right? Jim Caviezel is the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the other guy whose name's escaping me right now, but he, he was in Lost. Uh, yeah, and, right. I and know he's the mean. guy who invented the supercomputer in the in the show, and yes. he's fantastic. Yeah. And it's also it's done by Jonathan Nolan, and I'm a big fan of like Christopher Nolan and Jonathan right. Nolan, the, the Batman thing. So, and it's pretty trashy TV, but it's all conspiracies yeah. and shit. But my favorite thing about the show, and this is a way to watch the show, even if you don't like, I buy into it and quite like it. But there is a way of watching the show that also you know is at a different level. Is spot when Jim Caviezel is telling a joke but doesn't know it's a joke. Because All there right, are so okay. many lines so, in the script that are meant to be funny, and, then, and he has no idea. So they clearly just given up on this, even at script readings and stuff. Like, well, oh, I just think that he sure. doesn't have any. Like he's quite—he's a very good actor, but he has no sense of right. what a joke is or where comedy comes from. My uh, my father is in a movie with Jim Caviezel. Uh, <laughs> the Jesus one. It was Last no, Temptation like, of no, Christ. It's like the, he plays like he—he's from the future. Where he crashes with Vikings. Right. And he's got a, he crashes in like on a Viking planet and he's got an alien that they all f- end up thinking is a dragon. Oh, it's, oh, you know what? I don't even know the name of it. I've just seen my father and my father was a, one of the Vikings. Right. Because he's a big old beardy, beardy man. Is he an actor and, or was he just in no, this? No, he does. Or? No, my father was a, he was a military man. My father was a navigator right. for years and he retired four years ago. And he just kind of went, he retired four years ago and he went, well, my son's in the entertainment industry. Let's see what I can do. And then bam, <laughs> right away, he's been in like, he was in like K-19 and he's just, he's just notching up the movies, man. My I love that there's that kind of attitude. Oh, well, if that idiot can do this. Yeah. I, like, thanks, I was in the thanks, military. Thanks, dad. <laughs> yeah. My stern military father that used to beat me for playing with a yo-yo at the dinner table. Oh, has, he's now, now in show business. Yeah, he's in show business. He was in um, the yeah. Have you heard of the Trailer Park Boys? You know yeah. those guys. They did a movie. He was in that too. He's he's in a scene getting a strip dance or a, like they're in a strip club right. negotiating something. And my father's in the background with this stripper like all over him. Like and he's just covered in glitter. He came home covered in glitter. Like what have you been up to, Dad? He's like oh you know just a little acting, you know just doing. so that's. So that's what my father does now in retirement. He's been in more movies than me. Oh. <laughs> just, just like that. He just went, all right, my son can do this. Right, so basically no what you're saying is if J.J. Abrams looked up your name, <laughs> you'll get your father's IMDb yeah, before. Exactly. Yeah, we're lucky we didn't do my last name first. <laughs> Kenny Whitehead. <laughs> all right, so this is what I want to ask you then. If uh, this was a quantum leap scenario, if yeah. Scott Bakula, Bakula... Uh, was flying through time and arrived in your body, what would be the dilemma right now that would, he would be here to solve? 
You know, Whoa. what is going on in your life right now that Scott would have jumped into your body to help you guide through? Well, you'd probably have to figure out who the fuck you were. Right. I think I'm in Australia. Right. It's sunny out. I'm with an Aussie. Right. He would be like, I'm and, uh, definitely in Australia. And then he would turn and look at the mirror that's to the side here, yeah. conveniently. Yeah, I look like an Australian. Right. <laughs> I believe they call this a bogan? Is that... <laughs> Is that is that what it is? I'm a bogan. And then he probably goes, Ziggy, take the week off. There's no way this guy's got any problems in his life. He hasn't even had time to get a fucking haircut. <laughs> Ziggy's just looking down going, you're correct. There is no crisis on this guy's timeline. <laughs> He's... Totally irrelevant. <laughs> this is just this is just a week off for you, Scotty. Yeah, kick you, back your feet, you, enjoy yourself. You've gotten lucky. You've got, you've you've quantum leaped into his body on the only sunny day that London is going to have in 2013. Oh my God! Can we talk about that for a moment? So we are here in the, the United Kingdom. Um, uh, I've been here doing my shows at the uh, Soho Theatre, um, which uh, I'm, I'm very happy to say are all sold out. But uh, which is next, great considering the weather, because you'd think that because English people. Coming wow. indoors when it's like this. This is what people have been saying to me. Yeah. Like, people were yeah, saying man. to me, they're honestly like, uh, the show will go really well <laughs> unless it's sunny. And I was like, well, what are the chances it's going to be sunny? And it's been sunny, and people in this city go mental for the sun. Oh. Like, there's a bit of, we're, we're in the heart of like Soho, like so, you know, busy yeah. district in the heart of London, you know, and there's business people and all over the shop, they have these tiny little blocks, like these little uh, squares of grass. And at lunchtime, yeah. businessmen go in there, they get the one bit of grass that isn't taken up by the other 300 people who are sitting on the bit of the grass and they take their business suits off. Yep. And lay around in their underwear. And drink in, cider. In and the middle of the city. And yeah. It's, it's fucking mental. I Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because it, it just doesn't happen. And you know the number of English people in the last two days that keep going, it's too hot to do anything. And I just keep wanting to go, well, no, it, it's nice. It got nice out. Right. This isn't too hot. No. It's, it's lovely. I have it, a hoodie on. It would be just, <laughs> it, exactly. I've got a summery jacket. But, uh, but to them, it's like, oh my God, this, this is over. This is done we can't even we and, can't the, and, and the thing that i because you've lived here for how long yeah wow four i'm on year 14 right yeah so you'd be used to this by now but i don't i guess i just have never been here when it's been really sunny in the past yeah it's very the, rare the drinking <laughs> on the streets is fucking yeah. insane oh yeah like yeah they're just that thing i like i mean i love that they can like in Australia, the idea that you could just stand around, like, you know, particularly in Soho and stuff where it's like busy roads and people just spill out on the roads yeah. and they're all drinking in the street. I always get in trouble when I'm in Australia, right. actually, because I try to import that kind of attitude. Because I'm like, because even in that walk, like from the, for example, the Sydney Comedy Store to the, where they put you up right. at that hotel, it's only like a 10 minute walk and I'll be walking with a beer. And a traveler. And everybody's like, whoa, you're... You're breaking big laws here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a rebel, man, walking with a beer. But they have no problem with it but here. But for a country that. That, that prides itself, Australia, as being this sort of, like, law-breaking, you know, big drinking. Yeah. It's not true at all, at no. least in that regard. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're like, you can get as blind as you want in the pub, mate. Yeah. But you can't fucking walk 10 metres with a bottle of wine open. Yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. fucking way, mate. We've got standards here in Australia. A child will see you and be influenced. <laughs> right. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, what do you man. think? But whereas, like, I was, uh, went to, <laughs> this was such a ridiculous thing that I should not have done, but, <laughs> so, last Saturday night, 
some young Australians came and saw my show, which was very nice of them. Um, but they were young. Uh, and they were from a place in Australia called Geelong, uh, right. which you may know, about an hour out of yeah. Uh, Melbourne. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely kids. And they said to me, hey, after the show on Saturday night, why don't you come out with us? And I thought, you know what? It's Saturday night. I'm in London. My show finishes at what? 10 to 9. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to come back here, sit in a, like a performer's apartment by myself on Saturday night and watch Breaking Bad yeah. and then just fall asleep. I thought, that's pathetic. Don't do that. <laughs> Go and hang out in a park do with some 22-year-olds. <laughs> You didn't mention the park. Until well, that, was, that was their end destination. Right. Oh, let's just go stand around. It's Will Anderson, man. Let's, let's go. Uh, no, they want to stand on him. They were because it was warm. They wanted to go to the park. Like that's what people. Right. Like, so we went yeah. to a place called London Field, which is just a park, and there was hundreds of people just sitting around yeah. in the park, and everyone's like drinking booze. In yeah. the park and making massive piles of bottles in the park. And of course, these kids are 22. So they're drinking like alcohol that looks like pirates should be yeah, drinking yeah. it. Like things in jugs that yeah. look like prospectors should be playing them as musical instruments. And they're all sunburnt the next day too. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, but here's the thing that really blew my mind was people were going around the park with um, uh, like balloons Filled with like, uh, you know, like like poppers, like uh, no like bulbs, right? This sounds like a spontaneous festival. Right, that's what it was like. That's amazing. So out of like a, basically like a whipped cream canister, yeah, yeah. inflating the balloons, and then people would just like huff on the balloons <laughs> and get high in the park. And I am like, wow, this is what 22-year-olds do. Like, <laughs> This is why sunshine is bad for English people. I just, like, the next day, there, there would just be so many empty balloons for no fucking reason in that park. Like, if you're cleaning up, you've got, was there, like, some empty sort of clown balloons. orgy? Or? Empty balloons and whipped cream. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, people go mental here for the the sunshine. So I, yeah, I, it's ridiculous. And the drinking outside, I find... Very rebellious. I like. I I like it. Which is why, because uh, it's such a good place for comedy as well, because it's packed all year round. Because it's almost predictably bad weather here. But then this this little span happens usually in July, sometimes June, like now. And all of a sudden, done. Everybody tends to be outside, and it's the it's the one or two months of the year that stand up comedy can struggle. Right. You know, so if you're still packing it out, that's awesome. Well, that's good because news. But I, what I was going to, I was really only bringing that point up because I wanted to talk about a show that we did on Monday night yeah. uh, and that I am going to do again next Monday night. So if anyone's listening to this uh, before then, uh, I'm talking about Set List, of course, which I've yeah. talked about a lot on this now, show. Now, that one was packed as well, wasn't it? It that was, was packed. That was, that was really fun too, man. Uh, that was at the Comedy Cafe in Shoreditch. Is that Shoreditch, where it was? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was, it's such a fun show. How, how, have you, you've done it before, right? I've done it before. I hadn't done it in a couple of years. Right. Actually. But uh, I was really excited to come down and do it again. And, uh, you know, and I, I've carried it. I mean, how many times have you done it? Oh, like heaps now. Because you carry around flashbacks. Of you know, like, like like little heat flashes of moments on the stage from the last times right. we've done it. I think the last time I did it was at the Edinburgh Festival, probably in 2011. I right. think so. So almost two years ago. And yeah, I've carried on moments because in that in the seven minute set or whatever I did in 2011, I remember killing and dying and killing and dying and dying and dying and killing and then leaving. And, and you just carry that all with you. And that's exactly what happens in those in that. In that time on stage. It certainly is one of those um, things where you spend the next couple of days just 
Ah, oh, I could have said this. Ah, <laughs> oh, I could have said this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I think I want to do set list and get the names and numbers, or maybe just the email addresses yeah. of everybody uh, who's at the show. <laughs> and then maybe three days later, I could send them like do a, a mail out or like a, yeah. just a little video. Yeah. Like, just... <laughs> Hello. I would like to retract my failed attempt at a punchline and insert said interesting, curious word. Now that I've thought about it. Yeah. Well, and it even happens at, because you notice there was a couple comics later on in the show. Um, well, we were, I closed the first half right. and you were on at the start of the second half, but there was a couple guys on after us. When we had now have that comfort because we've right. got it off our chest, but they blanked on right. stage. And remember, they went, "God, it seems so easy at the back of the room." Because it is weird. You even do feel that way as a comic because we're reading it on the screen, and you and you feel so comfortable at the back in the darkness, going, "Oh, I'd nail that topic. That'd be no problem, man." I had somebody uh, whisper to me uh, during the show punchlines that the other comedians should have been doing. Yeah. While exactly. they were on stage and would lean in and, and, and yeah. it was someone who had, hadn't done the show before yeah. uh, and, and they were, you know, going, oh, I would have said this, I would have said this yeah. and then they got the opportunity to do the show and then suddenly they were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's, and then Holy one of the blankets. That's what I thought too. Like, I, 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 saw him, I saw him drawing. Do people know what set list is? Have we, did we... We've spoken about it a lot on the show before. Oh, right. But, you know, uh, I'm assuming that there's a whole bunch of new listeners today. Welcome because, you know, they've thought that J.J. Abrams was on the show. <laughs> There's been a Google mistake. <laughs> I think this Sorry is a, to disappoint. This, I think this is an episode all about the we've, new Star Trek we've, film. We've given, you a, we've given you some sci-fi right. discussion, and now you can look up Kenny Whitehead. Too. Right, <laughs> exactly. In fact, you um, know what will probably happen is J.J. Abrams will reboot Quantum Leap. <laughs> that is the sort of thing that you can imagine. Like, he's had a go at Star Trek. He, did, yeah. he rebooted Mission Impossible. He's getting to have a go at Star Wars. Oh Quantum Leap, man. That, that would be a good one for... That's right in his lost wheelhouse, I reckon. I think it's time. Yeah, Quantum, be- Quantum Leap reboot. Yeah, it'll probably have to be after POI dies down. Right. <laughs> See what I did there? I, just, <laughs> I don't know if that's what fans of the show call it. <laughs> Everything in America seems to get shortened right. anyway. NYPD Blue. I started calling it Nippity. Nippity. After a while. <laughs> ER. Er. <laughs> CSI. Everything just gets shortened. So. <laughs> POI. <laughs> Um, P-O-Y so uh, yeah people know I think people know but we, we can quickly explain basically you know it's based on the idea that a comedian uh, might have a set list that would consist of say yeah. five or six topics now I feel like that by itself is more of an American thing than it is because I think you know, Europeans and when I say Europeans I kind of mean like Australians and you yeah. know people who work in the United Kingdom are used to more used to that sort of one hour show format Definitely. So yeah. you don't necessarily have just a collection of random jokes. So you might not actually have a set list that reminds you of those sort of things because yeah. your, your, your material is all kind of interconnected and it makes more sense in your head and you probably don't have to write yeah. it down. But you do generally have some sort of, some sort of running order kind right. of thing. But yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, but, you know, so the idea is that you might have like six sentences or six you know, words or whatever that would describe your set list. And yeah. the, the idea of this show, the conceit of this show is that you get up on stage and your set list is revealed, uh, you know, topic by topic. But the first time you ever see the topic is the exact same time as the audience yeah, first sees the topic. It, while you're and on you stage. have to pretend that it's actually your set list. Yeah. Well, I think it works best if you pretend that it's actually your set so, list. Like if you commit oh, to the concept definitely. of it. Rather yeah, than, I, I don't think you should break that, no. uh, that barrier, break that little illusion of 
that arrogance that you can have just to confidently... They've changed the format a little bit as well because yep. there used to be... It used to be seven topics. Two of them you had to pull out of a hat kind of thing and read from... And, and they handed it to you a minute before you went on stage. So you got to look at it and then go on stage and then you had to start talking about your first topic. And now, I like the, the new format. They give us that 30 seconds to a minute to go up and just establish yourself by just going, hello, right. hi... Or whatever, and, and whatever and you want good. to do. I bring, yeah. I, for, then, I personally bring an emotion to it. Like the the thing that I like to do is just get up there and have whatever it is that I'm gonna go with. Like, and you know, so mostly it's normally anger, but I will like always <laughs> normally get up there. Like, I'm so glad I'm here tonight because I'm so so angry about really? and then just let the first thing hit at that point See, because it just gives you a, a way into the first thing that's really interesting because you know? i think my i was trying to be goofier i was right. trying to think goofy because i was think, trying to think in order for my mind to be working as broadly as possible i was trying not to be yeah, angry or, or quite focused right. yeah so i was trying to be as open and then yeah and then i don't remember what i got first but uh well that's right the, away it was, that's what one of the more interesting things is you don't remember anything do you if you <laughs> i think it would be really interesting with the show if they did exit interviews you know the minute you got off stage they actually said to you what did you talk about yeah. what were you name your four topics because <laughs> i, I fucking no idea not a clue. Somebody put a picture of me on the Facebook, uh, the Facebook on the interweb yeah. the other day, and I saw in behind me it says "prostitutes are ch- tax cheats." And as soon as I saw that picture, I was like, "Oh yeah, I had I had to talk about prostitutes being tax cheats." Totally forgot about that. And so so yeah, it, you only get reminded after this. Yeah, and I think that was the, my fourth topic or something. I was like, "Oh, that's." Right. I was talking about having... I think three times I resorted to miming uh, having sex. Right. Well, on stage. Ma- there was masturbation. <laughs> I don't even mime masturbation in my stand-up. <laughs> but that's what set list brings you to. Bam. Three times. <laughs> three out of the five topics they threw at me, I ended up wanking. But one of them had masturbation in the title. Right. I, I had to do microbiologists masturbating. And right. I remember that. So that... <laughs> didn't involve me looking down lenses <laughs> but uh yeah three times so that's it's nice to know that that's what i resort to see it's a good thing i wasn't angry <laughs> just just angry masturbating jay have you seen jj white he's great at set lists right. <laughs> just goes up there and starts wanking until the topics come to him Next time, I'm just going to go up, take my pants down, and go, bring on the first topic. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> that You can use that 30 seconds <laughs> yeah, to get, just to, just to get maybe to get slightly hard. Like, I mean, just ready. Like, not not like hard yeah, hard, but just... Just get fluffed off the side of the stage. And, Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. You, you, you came for a show. <laughs> it's Monday night. <laughs> The never before sentless <laughs> God, it was fun oh. though. And it's just, and you know what? You, my favorite bit as well, not to be cheesy and uh, sentimental, but it's really nice to hang out with high caliber comics at the back of the room because a lot of us don't work together. Because a lot of us are busy traveling around doing our own thing. So I quite. <laughs> I quite, I quite like those moments when it's like you're just standing at the back with like, like holy shit. Like I don't even work with Craig Campbell because uh, we're both Canadians, and so generally we're 
for headlining clubs. Britain has a they, one Canadian rule. They do, yeah. So, one Canadian time thing. Yeah, we've got and our I, token Canadian tonight. And, I, and we and had Mike Wilmot last week, so you're fucked. Exactly. So yeah, we keep the rotation. I probably haven't worked with you in maybe 10 years right. or something. Well, probably. that's right. I mean, I've seen you and stuff, but I, I don't think we've been on a club together. And so the list goes on. And then all of a sudden, there we were at the back of the room shitting ourselves. I think shit ourselves and kind of mocking the, right. the process. Well, I think that one of the great things about that show is that, A, you do get a lot of high-quality comics doing it because I think it only appeals really to, like, the people who like a challenge in what they do and have the confidence yeah. to go, you know, I'm willing to... It, I think it appeals to people who don't fear dying. Yeah. And normally you have to get to a certain point in your career to, you know, feel like dying is a challenge as yeah, opposed yeah. to something that you fear that will happen every time you go up, you know. Yeah. But secondly, I think that it's one of those rare times because there's always a hierarchy. Even if you're working with, you know, comedians backstage, there's always a hierarchy depending on where you are, you know, like it might be a different country, it's a different hierarchy or it might be a different situation, but there is. Yeah. But there's something about set lists, you're essentially all just in the exact same situation. Yeah. You know, it's the comedy equivalent. It's as close as comedians we will ever get to, you don't know, man, you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, man. Everything is laid bare, man. Yeah. I heard somebody told me, like, which I thought was, I was talking to one of the, Ben Hurley promotes stuff at the New Zealand Comedy Festival. Yeah, Ben's a uh, really great comic and a great, great fellow. Yeah, and he was just saying to me this morning that he would love to bring set list to New Zealand and stuff I thought that's a great idea for like a late night like it's good that it's tour late nights I think it's on at a normal hour in Edinburgh uh, but anyway I was going to say somebody else told me that there's a Twitter one that started in America where apparently the comedian is on stage and could be heckled via Twitter oh my fucking god on a screen in behind him oh my fucking which god which I just thought which I at first at first I thought oh yeah what a good idea that would yeah. be a fun concept to play right. around with but then, and then I just, you remember what Twitter was like yeah but <laughs> But then you also have visions of doing a show with everybody looking down at their phones. Like the right. one, the bane of our existence. And so imagine a whole audience just down, just just Twitter heckling you. Right. Instead of uh, It's like watch, doing those gigs in, show, so. with, uh, uh, those just for laugh gigs in Montreal sometimes when half the audience is just made up of people who are trying to book people. Yeah. And so they're just there with little notebooks Making and notes little pens. And not paying attention. And it's like you're doing, and you can be doing a really good gig and they yeah. can even be enjoying the gig, but all they're doing is writing on their fucking pens the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, and then that laughter happens too when you get the whole room and you notice they didn't quite get it. Right. <laughs> and they look up from their notepads and in order to pretend that they know everything they go ah, just a little too late and you're like I know enough about rhythm that you were not there man why did you come here like why 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 did you come to the United Kingdom um well I started comedy here yeah so, so were you here I already wasn't, I wasn't even a comedian yet I came over in 1998 I was backpacking mm-hmm Backpacking, uh, Scotland, uh, like I said, my father's a military man, so he's been all around the world, and we moved a lot uh, when I was a kid, uh, we moved back and forth, either coast of Canada and stuff, and it just came, I didn't like my career out of university, I was like, I was running, it sounds good, but I was running dolphin trips and golf tours and stuff, I was working for Marriott Hotels Does sound good. in South Carolina, sounds good, but yeah. believe it or not, it's quite it got boring for me because it's just answering the same questions from different people every week, doing, kind of going through the same motions. Right. Did you ever consider combining um, the two? 
And so, having a tour where people could hit golf balls into <laughs> golfers' holes. Well, it, it did tend to happen a little bit. There's, there was, well, I also, yeah, I ran, I ran kids camps for the PGA Tour down there as well. Really? And that involved, uh, that involved, at one point I did hold a kid over a boat who was, he's a son of a famous golfer, so I won't mention who he is, but he was just getting on my nerves. And I was holding him over the boat, <laughs> threatening him, threatening him to throw him to the dolphins. Because he didn't know the dolphins were nice. <laughs> and he was freaking out. And I think that was when I was starting to yeah. have talks with Bloody my talks, my, yeah. my managers. We're going, you're you're getting weirdly restless here. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, I've got to go somewhere else. So I said to my dad, I said, I'm losing the plot. I'm right. going crazy. I, gotta, I nearly fed a baby to a dolphin. And uh, Yeah. Can you tell me what the... Uh, what the? Well, he was, yeah, he was probably about 11. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> right, still, fine. that's fine. Still doesn't justify it. It's no way a dolphin um, would swallow an 11 year old. I, uh, so I just said to my dad, I said, send me, can you tell me what your favorite place in Europe was yeah. when you were stationed over there and stuff? And he said Edinburgh. And I said, I'm buying a ticket to Edinburgh and I'm, I'm quitting. And bam, I just left, went to Edinburgh. And uh, on my second day in Edinburgh, uh, a friend took me to a comedy club. And it was always in the back of my mind. I always kind of wanted to start comedy. I thought I would do it like in Toronto or something at some point. I thought maybe I'll take a master's degree in Toronto and journalism or something, and I'll do stand up at night. Right. And uh, but it, ju- it just happened. All of a sudden, I'm introduced to comedy, and then the Edinburgh Festival was coming up, and I volunteered at the Edinburgh Festival, and, I, and then the next year I ran their press office, and I was doing open spots, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, in the matter of whatever. Like less than a year, I guess. I was off and running, and now I was a comedian or an amateur comedian at that point. And then I love that that story because I like it's it's funny because you kind of you know you volunteered, you worked your way through it, which yeah. I, which I like because when I first did the Melbourne Festival, I'd started doing stand up, and I think the festival happened about three months after I you know had just started, so I was too early to be involved in yeah. anything. But I wanted to go and see everything. But I was like a young starving comedian you know so my sister who I was living with at the time is an excellent cook she used to bake like fresh cookies like you know batches of fresh fresh cookies right and I would take them down to the comedy festival office and I would beg them to let me put up posters for their shows in exchange for for tickets yeah to the to the shows yeah and uh, and I always, including as Justin Hamilton always reminds me, uh, you know Justin, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he tours with me everywhere as like my support on all my tours. And he always reminds me of that was the year that I put up posters for his show at the festival. All right, well. <laughs> but but it, it was fun, and it meant that I could like get in through that. You know, you can yeah. get in that way. You don't. Oh, there's totally. no right way to there get is, in. I have one of those two. There's a guy, Phil Kate. You know, Phil Kate is. I do know Phil yeah, Kate. Brilliant but comedian. One of the best comedians. I saw him do a lunchtime gig at my university. Oh, uh, yeah. In front of, oh, it's got to be 30 people. And like one of those lunchtime uni gigs where no one really knew there was comedy on, apart from like four people, including myself, who yeah. was like, oh, I'm going to go and see this guy. But everyone else was just kind of having lunch. Yeah. And because Phil's so experimental anyway like in the moment and it does I mean it was honestly one of the best gigs I ever saw because he just took everything that yeah. was wrong with it and made it oh, right sure. yeah he's no, he's, he's mental like that he also he's played like... table tennis with his testicles on national TV on my TV show so yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, he's brilliant man um, but he's one of those things of yeah when I say that, that that first term of volunteering at the press office Gilded Balloon 
Um, and I got to meet Phil Kay and everything. I was also working at a at one of the five star hotels, uh, Hadrian's, uh, the Balmoral Hotel, just on the corner of Northbridge. There, I was a waiter in there. So what time. year? So that was, what are we talking? So that was 1998. Here? So that was. Oh, so, shit, I, right. so I was a waiter in the Balmoral Hotel yeah. in Hadrian's restaurant, and had and had just shown up, you know, got taken to this comedy club, and then decided oh, I want to volunteer. So I'm volunteering. I got to meet Flake, but it was he walked his band of idiots into the Hadrian's restaurant. You know, it's all it's quite posh and everything. Right. But here was this guy, Phil K, and I, he was just steaming drunk. They all still stunk. All the wait staff <laughs> that I'm working with and like my boss is like, "Ew, what's this?" And I, and I was like excited. I'm like. Dude, it's Phil Gay. Let's right. go. And I'm like serving him. And, and I actually, I poured, what is it? I poured honey on his pancakes instead of syrup. I made a mistake. And, uh, but we had all, but I had already kind of known him now. And he's like, yeah, I can tell you want to be a comedian because you're not very good at this. <laughs> and it's a joke that we've had now. In the, now that we've right. become contemporaries, we've been working together for years. He's always like harking back to 98 when I put the honey on his pancakes. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, well, you stunk up the restaurant, man. So, did you start doing comedy the next year, 99? Yeah, yeah right away, yeah. And, then, and in, did you do the festival in, in 99? In 99, yes, I did the, uh, I, uh, what was it? So, in 99, and I think that's when maybe we worked together for the that's first time. That's what I was going to so say. So I did the midnight show with right. Dougie Dunlop. And yeah, so I just started doing, yeah, so I started doing, right, right after the festival in 98, I started getting the open spots in, Yeah. and then 99... At the festival, which I think you and you That's did a right. guest spot or a couple of guest spots yeah. at our show. That's right. Which was called the Midnight Show, and it was at backstage two at the at the Gilded Balloon. Yeah. And then the next year, I won the BBC Comedy Award, which which was presented by Phil K. <laughs> On, he on TV, yeah, he did. He did at the at the award ceremony. He goes, he wasn't made to be a waiter, ladies and gentlemen. So it's a good thing he won this. And uh, and so that's and he probably wasn't even meant to present the award, but backstage he's got. I've got a bit on this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone I mean, else got I a mean, bit on JJ? Because yeah. I've got a bit. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> and uh, and so and that's about when I uh, called my parents and told them. That I'm not going back to school. <laughs> right. I said, I think I'm going to hang out in Britain for a while. And we're, how, like, I mean, now, obviously, your dad must love it because he's gone into the show business himself. Absolutely but loves it. What he's, were they like at the start? Were they okay from they the start? Were, my mom was really apprehensive and, you know, so they were both up in the air. But luckily, luckily that I had a really good start to my career. So, uh, so it just, everything started taking off. Everything, everything went really well. <laughs> And then before you know it, my, my parents are coming over and they came to my festival show like as soon as I, well, so it's 2000 that, I, that big things happened. 2001 was my debut and my parents were there to, to watch that. And they've right. come over to see, I've probably done eight shows since then. Yeah. And I think they've been over for three or four of them. You know, so they're they're into it. My father's been over on his own. He's been here in London and uh, just been hanging out with me at gigs. <laughs> probably two of the most drunk weeks I've ever had in my life. So yeah, they've they, yeah they totally they totally got into it. And That's interesting. So you get drunk with your dad? Oh yeah, yeah. He's a big. Uh, my mom is stone sober. Never uh, had a drink. Yeah, my mom doesn't drink at all. But probably because she sees. The behavior of my dad. Right. My dad is. Like she, she's like he's having enough of both of us. Yeah. My. Da- it's weird. My. Well, my parents are a lovely couple yeah. and everything, but they are. It is that. He is that stereotypical military man who's a bit of a party, bit of a party drunk freak. I'm, I don't know if you do gigs for the troops and stuff. 
at all. But yeah, whenever I do gigs for the troops, I'm, all, I'm reminded of how they, they drink to excess. Right. And they don't seem to care. And uh, yeah, that's that's my dad in a nutshell. And my mother, weirdly enough, just stands there shaking her head going, Oh, Ken. <laughs> oh, what are you doing this time? <laughs> my, my mom literally is the sober, intelligent mind of, right. of my family. That's interesting to me because I... I often wonder what it would be like because my dad doesn't drink never drunk right never tried it and I like to drink and um, uh, I've always like thought that it would have been nice to go out and have a drink with my dad yeah like I would I think I would have enjoyed like having that experience but yeah it is uh, yeah well I think you're right uh, yeah it is fun I've, I mean that's I loved it when my dad came over here it was probably about four years ago and it was just just him and he he was just like one of the boys actually you know and and he loved it I think he loved the time off from from uh, he, like I said they're very much in love right. but, I think, you know, but, but, uh, but I think he loved having the time off hey guys I love my wife but, but, but I love my wife let's do this <laughs> We're in London. We got they sell beer at corner stores here, right. and we can drink on the streets. This is amazing. So yeah, it was great to let loose. I mean, does your mom drink at all? So uh, when I was young, I uh, didn't see them drink at all because Dad didn't drink, so Mum didn't really drink. Right. Uh, and so when I became a teenager, I, I never quite understood. Why my because I thought my parents might be a bit strict about you know alcohol and stuff like right. that because I'd never seen alcohol in the house and uh, that sort of thing. But when I got to sort of thirteen or fourteen or whatever you know ages, you start going to a party where there's like beers and stuff. Like yeah. I'm not talking major drinking even at this stage, but you know yeah. you, you might have three beers and that seemed like you know a big thing. You know maybe fourteen or fifteen, it got to that point where people were getting blind and writing themselves off. But there was kind right. of like a nice little just before that where it didn't quite get that, you know, yeah. where like having a slab of beer, like a case of beer between 20 people at a party still seemed like that was pretty awesome. Right, right? Yeah. And in that bit, there was a couple of times where clearly they came and picked me up from a party and like, I mean, there was just no way as like an adult, like, because I didn't... They wouldn't... They, they wouldn't know. Really? Unless right, they were yeah. fucking idiots, which they're not in any way. Right. Of course they knew. And they were fine with it. And, you know, and then I remember being about 14 or 15 and mum saying that she would, you know, buy me beer, but I had to stick to, you know, what, you know, if I was yeah. going to a party, if they got me six beers, that was all. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that. yeah, that sort of bargaining of... Well, that's, see, that's really interesting because that's, yeah, that's, because um, my parents became, they started to be that, you know, like, like 90210. Remember everybody hung out at the right. Walsh's place to go to shore ages <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a but I've got a little sister and right. and it's the same thing. So I think after me and my brother and the drinking and stuff, I think my parents realized that they'd rather have the party in their own house. Right. So my little sister so she's like six years younger than me. They're really spoiled. I think they and they, they got everything from my dad. They right. got big alcoholic bashes. Right. <laughs> Underage <laughs> If any authorities are listening. <laughs> But yeah, it's that decision that we can we can contain it if we'll allow certain things. Right. But I always thought that with my parents. My father could never notice nothing. But my mother would. My mother would if if I came home. I did not ever want to look in my lovely mother's eyes because she could tell if I've been doing anything, and she still does. I'm an adult male, and when I'm when I'm home 
for like a weekend or whatever or, or a couple weeks over Christmas and I go over to a friend's house and I come back my mom is there to greet me at the door. My dad would never notice at all. I don't, he probably has no taste buds or or smelling senses left. Right. But it's my mom that I try to avoid. Yeah, I must admit, uh, <laughs> when I go back on the farm, like I've never been more conscious of the fact of like you know mouthwash and like, <laughs> <laughs> like my jacket smells fine to me, <laughs> but I'm guessing exactly. to my parents it's gonna smell really weird. Exactly. Um, but it's do they make you check in if you're home at your parents' house and you go out at night and they've gone yeah. to bed? Do they make you check in when you get back into the house? Would they like want you to say, "Hey, I'm back in," or would they? I, you know fine? what? They don't insist, but I think I do it a little bit out of out of uh, ritual or out of habit. Anyway, I do try to tell them what's up. I can generally make my own way home, but uh, but yeah, so they don't insist anymore. I think they know that I'm enough of an adult. My parents still insist. Like if I'm at home. No matter what time I get home, really? put we your head to, in we want to, know to where say you're you home. Are. No, but it's not even that. It's I think it's just some I don't know because it makes no sense. Do you, yeah. Because I only am at home one day of every year. Often they don't know what fucking country I'm in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I could be doing anything. Like, but see I, see, I wonder about that too. Just, if so, if you were a dad, do you feel like me too? Because I, I marvel at that. So, like I said, I got the younger sister. Yeah. But it's the same thing. They've had a deal with her that anytime, anywhere, she should call them, and right. my dad will go get her. No matter what's been going on. Yeah, that's not the house that I grew up no. in. No. That's uh, the house but, that you built, though. <laughs> yeah. But, you are responsible in part for building but, that house. But uh, yeah, but so 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 she gets that treatment. But I often wonder if I was in that position, I think I'd be like, no, nah, just get a cab. Here's, right. here's 40 bucks. Right. Yeah, I would do it. Don't wake me up. Please don't wake me up. Look, I'm already look, fucking paying for it. Your mother and I have watched our weekly episode of POI. Right. And we're, we're, we're in bed. We don't, we're, enjoying, we're enjoying discussing Jim Caviezel's moves and his shit jokes that he missed. Don't interrupt us. I've got an acting gig in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've got a movie to make. Yeah. Don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you know I'm a proper Hollywood celebrity? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I find that a very interesting thing. But do you think about having kids yourself? Are you think like is that something that you are considering? Well, not right now. But, but like, uh, at, do you think that it's something that you will consider, or is well, it? Yeah, what is your position on children? It changes all the time. Right. Okay, interesting. I, uh, yeah, it seems to. Well, if I remember, if I remember, the nineteen-year-old me used to think that I'd have kids and a family by the time I was twenty-five. Yep. Okay. And that changes a lot. So. And I'm not in a relationship or anything right now, right. so so that so it'd be probably a terrible idea to have a child with someone. Goes by the yeah yeah. Well, I don't know. There could Maybe be benefits. Be okay, right? I, you know, in some ways, I wouldn't mind. It. Right. In some ways, wouldn't mind the child without the relationship. Right. And yeah, well, but that and plus is your mind. Plus, like you know, like you could have a part-time child. Yeah. There you go. I, I mean, mean, what a treat. All these guys complaining about divorce and right. stuff. And, but you only have to have your kid half the week. Right. You, you, get, you get to be amazing dad. Right. Yeah, you get to concentrate your daddying <laughs> on two weeks. Yeah. And then you got two weeks off. Yeah. It's, it's go, like working go, in the mines. Go, go get drunk. <laughs> right. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Just party nonstop. And then good dad for two <laughs> weeks. Working in the mines. <laughs> what kind of 
kind of childhood did you have on the farm, man? No, I didn't mean. But you know, when people work in the mines, they get two weeks. Like, so you go two weeks down the mines or on the oil rigs. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You work for You're two in, weeks. Yeah. It's full on. But then you get like two weeks completely off where you can just get yeah. behind and do whatever you, you fucking want. You've built your credit. Right. And yeah. you've got all your money. You can go out and spend it for two weeks. Sounds like a good system. I feel like it me. is a good system. So what we're saying is <laughs> you should have sex with a stranger and have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely someone who doesn't want to be with you. I'm just saying, if you're out there and you haven't told me yet, yeah. uh, you can go ahead and give huh? that knock on the door now. Now's a good time. Yeah. Google him. It's JJ. Good. It's JJ, not Jason. Especially if he's 16 and can drive me to the liquor store right. now. <laughs> Hello, uh, son. Right. Hello, son. Do you like baseball? Uh, who cares? Let's go to the shop. Daddy right. needs some booze. High five. Let's go out. <laughs> In fact, my dad's over. Three generations on the tear. Let's go. Uh, that is interesting to me because um, do you think about what sort of father you would be if you were a father? Like, is it something that crosses your mind or do you just not think about it? No, you know what? Because you've got to be at that me. stage of your life as a man where you at least entertain the idea of what sort of person you are and what sort yeah. of father you would be and if you were a father. And what sort of person would you be if you didn't think about that? Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, well, my brother's... So I got a younger brother and well, younger brother and younger sister, and they both got kids. So they, right. so they're both moving on and doing the whole family thing. How much younger are they but than you? My brother's two years younger than me, and my sister is six yeah. years younger than me. So I'm a hell of a leader. Right. I'm a, so uh, same same. I'm uh, my brother and sister are both younger and both have kids. Yeah, so I get it. So they're doing the family thing, and they all live in the same community as my parents. Uh-huh. You know, like my sister probably lives about two miles away, and my brother lives about a mile away. Right. So they've got this lovely nuclear and my grandparents now have moved they were in western Canada they have now moved and they live about a half a mile away from my no. parents in a retirement home and there's a gorgeous lake there they live uh, where we're from it's called the city of lakes so it's beautiful so they've got this beautiful community so as much as it can cross my mind sometimes I know how much responsibility it takes and let's face it we're just kind of jet setting comedians right. at this point aren't we we're it takes splitting. a village to raise the child yeah they are actually in the same village that is raising their child yeah exactly you are in an international so. comedy village which does not raise yeah, a child yeah. raise yeah. a terrible child so, imagine just imagine just dragging a baby with us all around the world to do all this stuff I just kind of feel like it, th- there's part of me that I just there is something like well the baby would keep me company yeah. Like I'm here for two weeks. Oh, I'd love to have a sidekick. Right? <laughs> we could just do shit. And when the industry comes on hard times, teach them how to pickpocket and stuff. Right. Yeah. I didn't think of it as a small business. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not going to turn a profit, what's the point? <laughs> Out on the street, if you want new shoes, then you know what you need to do. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I do. I, like, I think it'd be kind of... I don't know. It's, it is a hard thing to, you know, the idea of like, you know, I suppose you don't want to have the show business kid. That's what you always hear about is well, the poor kid who had to sit back out the back of the gigs or out the back of the, you well, know, uh, whatever. Well, well, if we're going to get all serious. Yeah, um, I'd like to get I a little was, serious. Uh, well, for about five years, like I probably, there's, there's, I was with a woman for five years and we had this lovely uh, flat up in North London. And I think we were at that point right. as well. So this is, probably, this is a relationship that probably ended for me maybe three, three almost four years ago. Mm-hmm. But in being together for five years, and I think we were on the verge of doing that. And I can see all those things at that point. I can see that we were about to have kids. And I was probably going to not have my sights on things like Australia and, and America and stuff. And was just going to be a British-based or European-based 
comedian, you right. know, keep it close to home, you know, nip over to Holland or nip over to Sweden where I would do shows and come back and then work the rest of Britain and that's and then go home to Nova Scotia to see my family and raise some kids. So we were we were at that point, we were at that precipice. Mm. And uh, and then we faltered a little bit and we ended up breaking up because we made some decisions and we had some heart to heart and we went like, I went like, I'm not done yet. And, sh- and she went, she lives in Hong Kong now because she looked at me and went, I'm, I want to go and try to do some stuff too. Right. And so we just went, all right, well, we're going to reboot. And then, so then we broke up and, and thus now she's in Hong Kong and now I'm uh, back to doing doing what I'm doing. Like I'm coming to Australia in uh, August and then New Zealand, then I'm going to America. And so it all, so it seems to come and go in flows, doesn't it? Because I can see a point about four years ago where we were, where I was about to stop. And uh, now I've rebooted. So now maybe that point will come again. Right. But, uh, but, but, it, but I think that's one of those things. And what you like basically is shown is it's something very interesting, which is uh, there's, there's plenty of ways to do it. Like, you know, yeah. you saw how you could have done it. And, yeah. you know, and yeah, you yeah. could have had as equally fun or interesting life, you know, doing that, rewarding life doing that. As, yeah. But you kind of then went, well, if I am single, if I'm not going to do this, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I still can travel and I can yeah. still can go all over the world. So people are interested in that. And as someone myself who obviously, who, you know, travels a lot doing comedy, like people often ask me, they go, what is the appeal of like traveling to, you know, different countries to do it? And I'm, I'm never quite sure I know what the, <laughs> the correct answer to that is. I know it's something that I want to do, but I'm not exactly sure why. Do you have a sense of why you like to travel doing comedy? Sometimes. Sometimes it feels really, you feel really self-actualized sometimes. And also, uh, like we've already been talking about family and stuff, I really like how excited they get about it sometimes. So they, it's almost like they fuel me a little bit. I mean, I love it too. Like I said, I grew up in a military family and we moved around a lot as a kid. So in some ways I've always been restless and I've never known how to stop anyway. And But that said, like, I mean, to compare that with my experience, my dad lives on the road that he was born on. He has right, never yeah, lived on that. See, like, you know? So that that's why I've always said that's why I travel, way, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Because I always, like, I, I, I spent the first 17 wow. years of my life yeah. living on the same road that my dad lived on all his life and that my grandfather built. I was like, I'm getting the fuck away from here see, and I'm going to keep running. Whereas you're... Like, almost yeah, like I, I was mean, running I was, from the start so, and I'm going to keep running. Yeah, so we both came to the same right. resolution but different right. means. Because I get really jealous of that sometimes. Like, so when I have, like, my sister and my brother have the same friends that they've yeah. always had all their lives. And I, admittedly, my best friends are all in comedy now because I have, I have been a comedian now for almost 14 years. Yep. And that is the most... That's the longest commitment to anything I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. I've never, never lived anywhere for more than 14 years. I've never, you know, done, so I do sometimes get jealous. Like the life that your father had, there's a little part of me that's slightly jealous of that, but it'll never exist in my lifetime. I will never be, maybe, uh, maybe when we're old and gray, we'll commit to the same, living on the same road. I but just, it's, but I, it's interesting and I can see how that would drive you nuts too. Cause I, I think that would drive me nuts. I've never seen it. My father never did it. My family didn't. They moved a lot. 
But that would, I would think that, that would have driven me nuts. Oh my God, I will murder everybody. Yeah. Like I would just murder everybody. The, the farm would be a meth lab. That's the first thing that would happen. <laughs> like I give it a week. I give it a week of me milking cows at five o'clock in the morning before I went, fuck this, we're making meth. Yeah. And then I reckon about three months later, I would murder everybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> some of my friends from uh, school and stuff back in, uh, back in Nova Scotia, when I go back to visit them, it is just same old, same old. They're builders now. So right. they, they build houses and they golf. That's their two things that they do. They like they like going out golfing and building. And it's the same old. So like I'm saying, that little bit of jealousy creeps in on me that they've got that that solid little little uh, social group right, the base. that they have. But uh, but we've got it too. We're just we're just all over the shop though. We're just uh, bumping into each other randomly. I, you know what? One of the things, and I have spoken about this on this podcast before, but one of the things that I enjoy about comedy that I think is, I, I think is unique to comedy. It may not be. Like, you know, I haven't done enough other things to know whether that's the case or not. But one of the things I like about it is that friendships are very easily resumed. Yeah, yeah. Do you mean? Like, you don't actually... I mean, we don't actually know each other that well. We've bumped into each other a lot over the years. But it's very easy in comedy, if you know someone, to just slide into, you know, having a chat with that person, hanging out with that person, having a catch-up with that person. And then often you don't see them again for five years. And then you just start talking as if you saw each other five days ago. Yeah. I enjoy that aspect I think we've always... There's always... It's that connection with the job, isn't it? It's like us dying on our asses at at, uh, set list and stuff like that, where there's something that we all share that very few people do or even choose to do for a living. So that's always there, this kind of respect thing. So that's why that helps us to always pick up. I was saying that to a new comedian the other day. I said, I think part of it is just very simple. It's the idea that... On your first day of comedy, you're doing the same job as yeah. everybody else does. You know, your yeah. first day, when you walk on stage with your five minutes at your open mic night, you are essentially doing the same job that Billy Connolly does. You're doing the same yeah. job that Dylan Moran does. You're doing the same job that Louis does. You're standing in front of a room full of people armed with nothing more than your thoughts and ideas, and you're trying to make them laugh. Now, obviously, Louis is doing it in front of 3,000 people for 100 bucks a ticket and for, yeah. you know, 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But you're still doing it. There's no other job that I can think of where they're just like, well, fucking day one, have a yeah. crack. <laughs> like, I'm at pilot school, they don't just go, yeah. well, you've seen some movies with some planes in it, right? Yeah. Here's some keys, have a go. Just for five minutes, don't do a big one, but just yeah, yeah. do five minutes. Ooh. We'll what? give you a light at four. Welcome, Jared, who works at Walmart in right. Oregon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, yeah, there's, it's just that thing. I mean, I hadn't uh, even, like, uh, well, like I said, Craig Campbell, who's at, at Setless, and, and uh, as we were saying, the Canadians, we don't work together very often mm. but uh it was just nice to see him and and i feel like we're long-term friends but i probably haven't seen we're going to go see the, a band called the tragically hip they're playing here in london there's and they're a canadian band canadian band they're yes. a stadium band in canada right. and they'll be playing coco which is about a 2000 seater here right. in, in north london and i think the last time i saw him was at the tragically hip right. at, <laughs> in the kentish town forum but we went together, right? He came over to mine. We had some beers, and we went and saw the hip with this old girlfriend of mine. And uh, and I hadn't seen him since. And that's at Setless. We're like, yeah, let's go next month. And so we're gonna we'll, we'll pick it up where the, we were at. The funny thing is, I feel like my uh, shows in London have been a little like that for other people in my audience. Because what I've noticed is afterwards in the bar when I'm having a drink, quite a lot of the Australians 
are running into other Australians yeah. that they saw last week at Paul Kelly and, and then the way the week before it, like what Australian things in town this week that we'll all go to and see, catch up at that's gonna be great see now that I'm jealous of because unfortunately the Canadian comedy industry isn't like that but that would be great I think it would be a great feeling to look at it, your audience afterwards and have people running into each other going oh I mean, I do, a little beacon of, yeah, I'm in town. I, I do like it. I mean, I had some people... Um, now, obviously, I can't do two weeks at a theatre here unless, like, you know, a bunch of Australians come to the show. Like, I'm just not well-known enough here in the UK for me to sell that There's, many shows. There is plenty of them here. And, yeah, there is. And, you know, like, I mean, most nights it's... I would say most nights it's half and half. Some nights there's only about a third Australians. You know, so there's decent amounts of others as well. But the Australians are certainly quite a you know, big base of it. And I'm always very grateful for that. And you always know that they're coming for, not only for the show, but for a little taste of home. You know, they want to hear an Australian voice. They want to hear, like, the Australian sense of whatever. Um, But then, the other night, there were some people who were like, I was talking to them after the show, and I said, oh, so do you live here in London? And they were like, nah, we're just here for three days, mate. And I said, oh, you've been here before? Nah, it's our first time to London. I'm like, you're in London for three days, and you've wasted one of those fucking nights coming to see me, (laughs) who you could see in your fucking hometown every fucking (laughs) year. You idiots. Like, we're in the West End of London. There is a thousand different shows on. But it's the iconic Soho Theatre. Right. (laughs) That's really cool, man. I, you know, I said I actually did have a little bit of that experience at the in Halifax. So I said because right. the Canadian comedy industry is a bit shit, it's a bit weak right now. Um, but there was just the Halifax Comedy Festival, which is my old hometown. And yeah, I now that I now that I think about it, my when my dad and my dad, and my sister, and my mom did come, and some uncles and stuff, and a lot of my friends from high school. So that is so so. I think that's a great feeling when right. you see them all going. And some of the high school. That's the thing too. Some of these guys when we talk about how they've lived on the same street all the time some of them are holding grudges uh, from high school for years yeah that you're like this is ridiculous none of us hold grudges right. as comics like who knows I, I don't think we've ever gotten a fight or anything I don't but, think so. but, but, but any but of even us if clowns, we had it whenever like, we you just collide, be like oh, yeah, over time right. yeah, we just we reboot every time we right. see each other let's reboot have a laugh again reboot yeah. and because uh, I remember that I couldn't uh, there was a couple of my friends from like from a high school um who had somebody had done somebody wrong or bad drug deal had gone down or whatever. <laughs> he he shorted me on a gram, man. I'm positive he took some of that gram. Well, when did it happen? 2008? 2007? 2008? Man, but fuck him. And I'm just like, come on. Can we just let it... I'll buy you both a gram. <laughs> Oh, but then of course they're like, oh, look at JJ. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's in showbiz now. Thinks he can buy everybody a gram. Money Swan bags. him back into town. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it's yeah. It's a soft line. It is an interesting um, thing though, like the idea that you could have an audience full of people who are heckling you not because they're not enjoying the show, but because of some long-standing grudge that they've had <laughs> yeah. against you from high school or something. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't really like going home uh, to do shows. And I've spoken about this before, but the the main reason is it's the only place, my hometown, where if someone doesn't enjoy the show, they don't complain to me. They complain to my parents. Oh. Yeah, my mum and dad get phone calls like, he swears too much. (laughs) They don't deserve that. Don't complain to them. They're not the box office. They're not getting a cut of the door. (laughs) Because your parents love what you do, right? Yeah, well, I mean, they're both very supportive. Yeah. I would say my mum enjoys it. Like, I would say my mum's a fan. She's like, 
she's become, and in a really nice way, she keeps her eye on the comedy industry now. Right, yeah. And she'll always ask, like, really, like, how's Fleety going? You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, always concerned about his health. Like, she never wants to go, you know, uh, but she always kind of... tip a mother by extension. Right, tip, tiptoes in a little. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, she watches my friends, um, uh, my friend Adam Richard, who's a Melbourne comic, uh, made this great little show called uh, Outland, um, which was like a, about a gay science fiction club, or you know, all right. gay show. And um, it, it was a really great little show. Didn't really do as well on the television as, as it could have, but it was a really well-made and, and well-regarded show. And mum watched every episode because she knew, you know, she knew I knew Adam yeah, and I she know. was like, she tuned in, really There's loved it. connection. Right. Yeah. And dad, no interest at all, but very supportive. But just, you know, yeah. like, no interest. Like, no interest in show business at all. Right. My dad, I, I can't even name a television show apart from that televised like. sport right. that I, I could say my father enjoys. Right. The only thing I ever heard him listen to on radio was either, like, news uh, about, you know, like country news, the Country Hour, which is a specific farming country news program yeah. or sport. Right. Like, I just don't have any memory of him. Like, you know, he's never bought a record, never owned a, you know, an album. So, like, I, I you know, he, he understands what it is that I do and that it's yeah. going okay, but he, he has no sense of it. Right. Right. You carry on with your little He's just thing. confused. That sounds like my grand. See, my grandfather was a colonel. In the colonel, well, my grandpa was colonel, and right. he doesn't like what I do. So he's been. Quite, oh, he doesn't like it. Yeah, my grandfather doesn't like it. So he's been quite clear with my dad. My dad was a little bit of the black sheep right. to my grandfather's colonel. So my father, who went on to be a major and a navigator, but my father loves that my grandfather's. My <laughs> <laughs> son, grandfather. So this is my, my poor grandfather who's like sits me down sometimes and he's like, you know, in my day we couldn't just make up a job. And I'm like, Granddad, I didn't I didn't make it up. This is what I do. He's like, just didn't happen in my day. I'm like, well, things have changed. Also, by the way, of all the greatest made up by human beings <laughs> jobs there are that don't actually yeah. have a purpose. Yeah. War is right up the fucking list of that. Yeah, there you go. Like, we don't need to have war. We yeah. could all just fucking get along and share shit around and be <laughs> fine, but we've decided, no, we're going to fight people. That, so that's the biggest fucking made-up job of all. That argument would never work with my grandfather. <laughs> never work. What happened? He, uh... Oh, oh my granddad is so... T- he t- so toes the government line. Even though he's in this retirement home getting ready to check out. But right. Like, well, what do you mean? My, my sister's husband is a builder as right. well. So all the guys, Nova Scotia, a lot of, a lot of my boys are builders. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sister's husband's a builder. My grandfather got a uh, like a stipend or a bursary, whatever you call it, from the Canadian government to, to uh, have his car um, shoveled, snow, snow shoveled, right. you know, during the winter. Uh-huh. And they gave him $500 to pay somebody. And my grandfather asked my brother-in-law to do it. My brother-in-law said, yeah, I'll do it. And then my grandfather negotiated for it. He said, well, will you do it for uh, 200 bucks?" And my brother-in-law said, yeah, of course, of course I will, no problem. But it turns out that my, and my sister found out that this $500, if it's not spent, it goes back to the government. So in a nice way, my sister tried to mention to my dad, like, if Grandpa doesn't spend all of the $500, and the $300 just goes back to right. the government. Might so, as well pay the 500 So you might as well pay, pay my husband 500 right. So then my dad went to my grandfather and said, well, why don't you 
pay them five hundred. They're, right. they're the Canadian government. They're giving is, you the money. They're giving you five hundred. They've decided five hundred yeah. is the appropriate and amount of money. Grandfather wouldn't do it. He's like, no, no. He agreed to two hundred. He's getting two hundred for it. That's his problem. Like, so that is. <laughs> Oh my God. That is how military my <laughs> colonel grandfather is. Like, I'm not breaking on this one. Although, so it does sound like he would make a great manager for you. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like he can really do a deal. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If, if he could ever agree that my job existed. Exactly. He, he could be a great manager <laughs> for your imaginary job. If he could ever come to terms with that. <laughs> By the way, did you say your friend's show was called Outlander? No, it's called Outland. Outland. I think the Jim Caviezel movie is called like, Outlander. It's called Outlander. Is with, that right? With my dad in it. I think it is. What Very a beautiful! Oh, I'm actually, I'm going to Google that, and we'll uh, uh, now we're about to finish up. But um, tell me uh, about Australia because I wanted to talk to you because you're coming to Australia to do some gigs. Yeah, Outlander, um, 2008. There it is. Here Jim we Caviezel go. I'll run you through this. How weird is that? Let's let's give that? people a bit of an idea of what this movie is. Uh, so during the reign of the Vikings, all right, I love it already. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Already. And my dad's a Viking. <laughs> during the reign of the Vikings, oh hang on, I've got to get rid of the uh, ad for the purge now. Uh, during the reign of the Vikings, Canaan, a man from far off world, yes, okay, far off world, crash lands on Earth, bringing with him an alien predator known as the Morwen. <laughs> this does yes. sound like a convoluted plot D- for a movie. Dragon-like. Uh, so Spaceman brings dragon right. to the Vikings by mistake. <laughs> I should have written this oh summary. I'm clearly better. Spaceman <laughs> brings dragon. <laughs> Though both man and monster are seeking revenge for violence committed against them, Kanan leads the alliance to kill the Morwen by fusing his advanced technology with the Vikings' Iron Age weapon. Yeah. Wow, somebody had a Sci-fi lot of acid before they came up Viking with that. Alright, so uh, the credits uh, see full cast and crew. That's what we want to do. Yeah, now he is an extra, so. That's alright. I don't care. I just want to see. I, it's a mention. Uh, yeah, if Kenny Whitehead's in there, I'd be, I would I'd love be blown away. But, oh, so he's who's in this but movie. I, Jim Caviezel, man who doesn't know what a joke is. <laughs> uh, we also have. Oh, hang on. Go away. Add for the purge. Uh, Jim Caviezel, Sophia Miles, I don't really know who she is. Jack Houston, John Hurt is in this film. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, who else? Uh, Ron Perlman? Is yeah, man. Well? Yeah. This is like, uh, that's got some proper actors in it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pre- uh, and then a grizzled okay. Kenny Whitehead filling it out. We've got a lot of, no, nah, unfortunately, oh, hang on, there's a lot of uncredited. Viking warrior. Is there a lot of uncredited? There's a lot of uncredited. Let's just see if he makes the... You know what? I've never checked to see if my dad has an IMDb. Right. So what is his name? It's Kenny Whitehead. Ken Ken Whitehead. Ken Whitehead. Ken Whitehead actor, right? uh, (laughs) I have never checked (laughs) up on him, but I might have to set one up for him. But he's definitely... There's a big Viking standoff. Right. And uh, and my dad gets a close up when like so two Viking tribes are gonna kind of like charge at each other and my dad is like right there next to Jim Caviezel and he throws his hand in the air and and my dad even told me that they had to retake it because they asked them not to run fast right but my dad thought well I'll get more in the shot if I get ahead of everybody so on the initial run he did like a Forrest Gump he just like took off <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like ah chanting and then they have it stop cut reset Ken <laughs> can you not run as fast please well uh, was uh, he was he uh, in a project called Arthur's Amazing Things in 2002 uh, I don't know 
You know what? I, I can't I keep, I I can't, I can't I keep track, track of the success the storm of that, is the, that, is, that is my father. <laughs> anyway, he may or may not have a uh, an IMDb then. Uh, we should finish up, but uh, you're coming to Australia to do some shows. Where are you going? Yes, so we start at the Sydney Comedy Store on the 15th. Is my I'm doing uh, officially doing two weekends. But it's teetering on a third weekend right now. We might open up a third weekend. So, so 15th of... Of uh, August. Right. So uh, Sydney Comedy Store, if you want to go and get details of that, you should definitely go to that. They're going to be amazing shows and they will have Sydney Comedy Store at the moment. It's going to be a shitload of fun. Man. like the they're, getting, they're getting up. great love it, love crowds. It. Yeah. But the thing they're also doing, which I think is absolutely amazing, is that they have... Uh, done this great thing over the last two or three years of encouraging that real next generation of Australian comedians and you're talking about people like Matt O'Conn and Ronnie Chang and Reese Nicholson and like there's a bunch of them like there's and you you go down there and these guys that they put on you know as well as the headliner are great like the whole nights are great there I love it I think they yeah they've got yeah I think they've worked at all the quirks and stuff and figured out how to do a good running it's because it's everywhere is unique the way america runs their 90 minute show stubbornly thinking we can't have breaks not gonna have a break people will leave you know and britain and britain they run you know uh three sections with breaks because people are more addicted to alcohol than they are to comedy here right so it's good (laughs) and and then uh and then yeah so you can see that the uh in sydney now i think they've figured it out i think we've gone if we're going to bring on the new talent we're going to have these short sets at the start of the night and have a nice supporting night and and even the buttons on the tables i like the wait staff are respectful the show uh yeah it's a really it's a really great venue and it's 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 been run really really well and so you're doing sydney and where else you're doing you go to new zealand We've got Sydney, and there's another promoter who wanted to promote me around Australia, but uh, the comedy store stepped in and said, no, we've got the rights to them. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they're going to, because I keep talking to them, going, well, let's get some other stuff in. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they will. They say that there can be other stuff in in the making. So right, I great. haven't been to Melbourne for so long. So if people want and to find then, out details of this, jasonjohnwhitehead.com or JJ <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got them both. We've got both websites right now. JasonJohnWhitehead.com. Probably JJ Whitehead in short listings. Oh, God, i got to get the website changed. Um, and uh, so New Zealand? And then we're going to do some New Zealand. Yeah. I've got, so like, what are you we, doing? Are you going to the classic or are you doing We mentioned, uh, as we mentioned, Ben Hurley. He's got, uh, they've got a new production company called oh. Purdy Mouth Productions. And yeah. so he says he's got me, like, all over New Zealand. He hasn't set through the exact details yet, but right. uh, but we'll be doing, so that'll be from September so September 1st until the 17th. Oh, fantastic. We have, a, we have a bunch of country. listeners in New Zealand, so, so make, awesome. make yeah. sure you go and check him out. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for being uh, guest Charlie on the show. It was genuinely appreciated. Thanks, man. It was good fun. I'll quantum leap off now. <laughs> <laughs> was that the sign off? No, I don't think that was at <laughs> the end of each one. I'll quantum leap off now. <laughs> at the end of episode, Ziggy just comes on and goes, Congratulations, you've solved all the issues. I will quantum leap off now. <laughs> oh, if, I should mention, if you're in Lon- uh, London Monday night, Comedy Cafe, Shoreditch, I'm probably doing a set list, so please uh, come out and see that. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.